This is another episode of Connecting the Dots podcast. I'm Skip Stewart, Vice President and Chief Improvement Officer for Baptist Memorial Healthcare. Hey, everybody. I'm H.F. Mason. I'm a general surgeon and chief medical officer at Baptist Memorial Hospital DeSoto. And hi, everyone. I'm Jake Lancaster. I'm an internal medicine physician and the chief medical information officer for the Baptist system. Well, today we are so excited that we have Dr. Peter Hines. And Dr. Hines, even though many people know you within the lean community and and I know you personally because of the Shingo Institute, would you tell our audience a little bit uh, about yourself and about your background and uh, where you work at and some of the things that you're involved in? Sure. Thank you very much, Skip and gentlemen. Uh, very excited to be with you today. Um, so a little bit about my background. Um, I was uh, working in industry and then I did an MBA at Cardiff University, Wales in the UK. Um, and part of that came into lean and actually looked at the Toyota approach in the supply chain. So that was 30 years ago. And now I sort of stick with lean for a long time. So I've done a lot of work on the lean basis, both at Cardiff University consulting activity with a company called SA Partners, which I founded. And more recently, um, since stepping back from that, I'm visiting professor at Waterford Institute of uh, Technology in Ireland. So really anything and everything to do with lean is, is my game. That's, uh, that's where I'm coming from. Well, Peter, once again, thank you for being here. And, and we're certainly going to uh, to talk a lot about lean today and specifically we want to talk about the the people value stream but that we'll get to but I, I read a couple of your articles and when it comes to lean we talk about continuous improvement along with respect for all people and and you you talk about sometimes there's a disconnect between those two and and, and you use a picture of a of a bridge how about uh, talking to our audience a little bit uh, about that, if you don't mind? Yeah, sure. Well, I, I guess the the bridge sort of um, mirrors some of the stuff coming out of Toyota. Would we be familiar with the continuous improvement, which would be like the Toyota production system on one side of the bridge, the tools and methods, and the other side of the bridge, as Toyota would call, uh, respect for people. I actually like the term uh, respect every individual coming from the Shingo Institute better than that, because I think it's easy to respect people, but not so easy to respect every single individual. So but anyway, there's a disconnect between the two sides, because on one side, it's often the more technical staff or engineers or operations management sort of people who tend to have more of a technical perspective and, and they like the tools and techniques. And on the other side of the bridge, it's often the sort of HR community who perhaps are more people orientated, soft systems and so forth. And the problem being that there's very few people that can really span the bridge that, you know, the mindset on the one side is technical. The mindset on the other is more sort of human or psychology orientated. And actually what we find for many organizations, you, you, you know, the improvements efforts fall between the gaps. They're either very technical and poor on people or very people orientated and poor on the technical side of things. So bringing them together has has actually been a major part of my work over the last 10 or 15 years. In that same article, you described kind of the history of HR development and how it's changed over the years. I think that would be a, a good background for this this episode to just give a 
kind of a brief overview of, of how HR has changed and its functions over the years. Yeah, well, I, the paper you're referring to, I have a rather damning uh, perspective on the HR uh, perspective. Um, so excuse me if you're coming from that background, but um, I, I, I likened HR or, or this sort of people area having three stages. So one is the old fashioned sort of personnel management, which is about time clocking and paying people and maybe dealing with industrial relations and so forth. You know, the bad old days. And then sort of HR came up maybe in the 70s, 80s, something like that to move the, the function to be more strategic, more focused on, you know, managing people as a resource rather than just, you know, having labor and so forth. The problem is, I think, fundamentally, that the whole HR movement has fundamentally failed because the people in it have not been able to really gain that strategic ground. And they haven't really got that sort of seat at the table at the C-suite and they're not taken as seriously as they might be. And, and, and a lot of what's been done in HR has actually been focused on the improvement activity in terms of bringing in IT systems and, you know, digitizing and, and having the contact centers in Bangalore or somewhere like that. And actually, that means that actually the whole improving people, developing, coaching and so forth has become less and less uh, focus of HR. It's become more a sort of technical sort of type of thing. And, and actually, as they've done that, they probably lost more credibility than they had previously uh, around the C-suite, which means that the HR experiment, as we might call it, has, I think, fundamentally failed. And hence, the third stage is even rejecting the term HR in itself and, and more using a term like people or people and culture, something like that, which is more about how do we manage or, or how do we actually get the best out of people? How, how do we actually create the culture that we want? How do we create an environment where in lean terms we remove that wasted human potential? Um, and, and, you know, we often talk about that as the eighth waste. But I think if we address it in the same way as the other seven ways through that technical lens, the continuous improvement, we'll never really get to the wasted human potential because that is looking at people as a resource rather than actually people as the fundamental building block for the for, for the organization, etc. So I think we've got, we've got to start in a completely different place rather than sort of um, managing people and treating them all the same and, and, and so forth. So I don't think that's the right starting place um, for for the human side of things. Sure. And you, and you talk about the the people value stream and, and for people familiar with lean. We know what a value stream is in the tradi traditional sense. It's it's taking an object or a person or information and it's it's moving it from beginning to the end and looking at every step and trying looking at every step very critically and trying to reduce the waste tell us a little bit about the people value stream and and because that's that's a term that I'm not really familiar with at all and and what does that entail okay well if you take the same concept in in lean uh, what we've been doing uh, and the, the value stream concept as as discussed you know by Womack and Jones and others since their time um, 
And, and then you look actually at an organization like Toyota, which many of us use as sort of reference point. And, and in fact, not so far away down, you, down the road in Kentucky, um, if you go to the Toyota site there, they might not actually use these words, but what they talk about is managing the product value stream, which is the well-known you know, value stream maps that we're all familiar with, which you can apply in, in hospitals. In fact, uh, a little side stream is, uh, we started doing what we call value stream mapping in 1994 in Cardiff University. And our very first experiment was actually in a hospital. And we actually managing, okay. uh, we were doing experimentation in hospitals of looking at, you know, movement of physical and so forth. But so if you take that physical flow and then you think about instead of product, or in your case, it could be a patient value stream or a care value stream, for example. If you then think about the other major resource in the organization, it's, it's the people. So the people value stream uh, is is just like Toyota do. We make cars and we manage people is how they think of the world. So those are the two main flows. So the flow is the physical career of the individual or what the HR folk might call talent management. But actually, if you think about that, using the sort of icons of the information of physical flow, we're often familiar with, with, with uh, value stream mapping. If you think about the starting point is the team leader who wants people. They want more people, better skilled people, more engaged people, whatever. And then if you think about HR probably being the equivalent of, you know, the production management or, or you know, management to the hospital or whatever it happens to be. And then the physical flow is the recruitment and then the, de the career development of the individual, which we're trying to optimize to to remove this uh, wasted human potential from the organization's point of view. But we're actually trying to maximize the potential of the people. So in other words, thinking of it not just from a top down point of view of what's good for the organization, but what's good for the individual and their growth, development, motivation, and so forth. So the people value stream is taking that so whole idea of moving away from push mentality that you might have where HR might, a different team might manage the recruitment, a different team does the training, a different team does the appraisals, or, you know, all the different stages. And actually it's a bit like managing vertically sub-functions of HR and maximizing virtually vertically rather than maximizing the flow of the individual through the organization so the same concept of moving from pull to push sorry push to pull get it the right way around is actually the same idea of, of the people value stream to sort of unlock the, the potential of people that's very interesting a different way to look at it um and so you know right now in healthcare you know we have a, a big crisis with burnout that we've talked about in this program we have a, a big crisis with um, workers, um, you know, going to other other employers or, or quitting, uh, especially on our nursing side that we've talked about. And, you know, the great resignation is a term that's been uh, thrown mm -hmm. around a lot as well. How would the people value stream address any of those problems or, or is it able to do that? Uh, absolutely. So um, there's probably two main areas uh, that I'll talk about that where this would fit in. So if you think about 
what we do in most organizations, we, we talk about moving the leadership from command and control to coaching or some people use the term servant leadership, you know, that sort of move there. And we, we don't fundamentally believe that that's really possible because it's like the leaders are moving from a parent child relationship to an adult adult relationship so if you move away from command and control as a leader you're coming from parent to adult if you like so you want to have adult to adult conversations the problem being with that is the employee be that the nurse or the surgeon or you know the janitor or whoever it might be if they're still used to being treated as a child and you're suddenly expecting them to, to deal and act like an adult, they can't do it. So you've actually got to do something with the individual to move them to have the adult adult. So it's the you're going to have leadership and followership, if you like. So the starting point for this is seeing the world from the individual's point of view. So starting to understand what's meaningful for them for an individual. What do they believe in and how does that link to what's meaningful in terms of what the organization wants and the beliefs and values for the organization. And if you look at that from a psychological uh, point of view and try and move to positive psychology rather than maybe clinical psychology or you know some of these fields that are well established, what you find is if you look at the world, so for instance, the you know the lean or, or OPEX or, or CI world, actually probably at least half of the things we do are probably negative from the point of view of the individual. So in other words, it feels like, you know, go and do some standard work. Well, I don't want to do standard work because I want autonomy. You know, go and get trained on a greenbelt course. Well, I, I want to get trained, but it's not a greenbelt course. I want I want this and this and this. So in other words, we're sort of pushing things onto people rather than saying, well, what what do you what do you actually want here? And, and the other thing we have in management, we often talk about how, how are we going to sell this to the people? How are we going to engage our staff? And for me, it's fundamentally the wrong question. Ask yourself, how many of you started your working career disengaged? Well, not many. So the point being, how have we disengaged people by how we manage them rather than actually working on their in, innate motivation? So if you start, that's the first thing. You start to see the world from the individual's point of view and everyone is slightly different. The second thing, the second thing linked to that is then you look at the various flows that people have during their career to grow and develop themselves. So you might grow yourself in terms of your role, in terms of your capabilities or competencies. But one of the important flows is the mental and physical well-being flow. So in other words, you're actually looking at the mental and physical well-being of the individual by looking at the sort of things that might affect them both physically and mentally during their, their, their career. And how do you work on those from the individual point of view? And hence, what, what we've established is instead of having just a top-down management approach and tier boards and so forth that we might all be familiar with. We've introduced the idea of a tier zero board, which is actually starting with meaning from the individual's point of view. What are they trying to achieve during their career? And looking at this daily to look at their achievements against the goal, to look at opportunities, which is the small improvement, as well as on a longer term, 
um, which might be on the one year plan. It's a bit like the team's one year plan. It's the individual's one year plan to develop what they're trying to do. So if otherwise, it's sort of turning the organization upside down so that you see it and the individual sees it from their perspective and maximizes their growth and development. So if you do all of these sort of things, you know, we, we're actually trying to nip the burnout and so forth in the bud by actually seeing the, the world from their perspective and then working on things in the flow to support and develop them and relieve, you know, the physical and mental uh, stresses and, 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 and so forth. Sure. And, and along the, these same lines, when we we talk about employee turnover, I would imagine that these these industries and businesses that that do practice this people value stream, that their turnover would be a lot less. And and also, I was just curious as to, you know, advancement in, in developing uh, leaders and a company like Toyota, how many of their their leaders, directors or managers, I, I don't know what the term they would use, how many of those are promoted from within as opposed to being brought in from the outside? Right. Well, two questions. So the first one, uh, if you look at the turnover rate, so one organization that um, that I did some work with, which was a, a bank in Australia, they were this is like an office environment and they they were looking after the people in arrears on their mortgage on their house and and they defined them into a normal flow who were just like a few months back and then a distressed flow so the distressed flow were people who'd lost their partner or something like that through cancer or you know whatever it happened to be and you can imagine a call center dealing with these people even the un, so-called undistressed people were pretty distressed and you can imagine the staff turnover that would be absolutely, you know, really very fast. And actually for that industry, it was about 18 months. But because they did the sort of things that I've been talking about, their staff turnover was one uh, was 11, one every 11 years was the staff turnover. So in other words, people were staying in that environment for over 10 years in a really, really tough working environment by actually doing a whole heap of stuff. To, to actually change, you know, the people. So your second question around Toyota, I mean, I, I don't have the statistics on that, but I, I, I do a lot of work with Toyota and I've been working with Toyota since 1990s. Um, and my impression is almost none of the managers uh, come from outside. It's almost all promoted from within which actually means one of the things that you need to do, one of the flows is actually making that career journey transparent for people. So in many organizations, we don't know what we need to do to become the next level. And, and more often it's to do with who you know rather than what you've done, and or that's the suspicion. Whereas in Toyota, it's very clear what you've got to do to get to the next level. And uh, if you take the, the uh, Berniston factory in England, they have an abaya room which is about 40 meters in length and it's about three meters high around the wall. And this is basically the career journey of working in this site from recruitment to being a team member, sorry, apprentice, team member, team leader, group leader, right up into management. So this is what you do. This is how you do it. This is how you get measured. These are the behaviors that we expect. 
This is how you do the power boards, which is which is, the, if you like, the team boards and so forth. So basically, the job is extremely well defined and obvious to people. So people know step by step. So it, it's helping you in your career development of, of, you know, understanding how you go, what you do and how you go on the next next journey and so forth. And, as, and the result of that is nearly everyone there is is internally but it's not up 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 it's across 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 up across 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 mm. up across 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 so actually people get moved to new roles fairly frequently but i mean if you've got four or five tiers you can't have four or five promotion not everyone's going to be the plant manager within five years so promotion is actually very slow but the growth and development of people is very fast partly through getting the experience from moving sideways and, and then before going upwards. That's really interesting. Um, so earlier you were discussing flow and kind of personal flow throughout your career. And in that same paper we were referencing, you had the, the graph um, where on the x-axis you had my readiness and ability to respond to those demands and on the y-axis demands placed on me. And then you have various zones on the graph um, where the you know, if you have a ton of demands placed on you and you don't have very much um, readiness or ability to respond, that would put somebody in what's referred to as the zone of anxiety, which, you know, you know, maybe we could also think of that as burnout, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. And then at the, you know, in the middle, you kind of have uh, the stretch zone and the comfort zone uh, where things align a little bit better. And then at the very bottom is the zone of frustration, which I thought was interesting. And I recently mm-hmm. heard of a, a new term that's kind of the opposite of burnout which is bored out uh, so you have a lot of ability to respond to demands but no demands are being placed on you uh, so yes. can you comment a little bit on on that graph yeah. and, and you know some of those yeah operations? i mean this this is this is um basic psychology theory um from from book called psychology um the psychology um the psychology of flow and, and really what they're saying in, in this in this text is that some people you over promote them or you promote them to the point of incompetence or you overload them with work and then people can burn out. And as you say, the other side is this underloading of people. And ironically, the most stressed people are the people with the least stress is is a sort of. Uh, so if you think about who are the most well, as as physicians, you may well know. Who are the most people that are most stressed with the most probably mental disorders and and, and this sort of thing? It's often unemployed people who don't have anything to stress them and hence they become very stressed. So actually stress is not necessarily a bad thing. You need the optimum level of stress. Too much, it's bad. Too little, it's bad. So if you take that zone of frustration, too little. So what, what we found is that the zone, the comfort zone is you're just slightly understressing people. So in other words, they cruise along, it's quite nice, but you're not really getting the best out of them. They're not getting the best out of themselves. They're they're not getting at what they want out of the job. And the very best place to be is just slightly working outside of what you're competent of doing. And then it's fun because you're learning fast, but you then need that coaching and development sphere coming in as that leadership but you need to be pushing yourself into that into that developmental zone or or, or, you you know because that's 
that's really the zone of fast learning and fast development and so forth. And hence, that's flow in the psychological sense, but it's also flow in the lean sense of developing yourself on, on this learning journey. I like to call that you need to be in that area of, of healthy tension. You know, yeah. healthy tension is good, but but Jake, it's kind of like a tempo run, you know, right yeah, there yeah. where you're about to redline, but you're not quite there. That's your black acid threshold, yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, think about it is, you know, sometimes we use the term in the flow. So if you think about when you've been in the flow, so this might be, you know, you, you're watching a mini series on TV and you can't, you know, you just can't stop watching or you're reading a book or you're playing a computer game and you just you're just absolutely in the zone. That's what we're trying to create by this flow in, in the job environment. So people are so buzzed up that that actually all the sort of stresses that, that we've got are minimized because you've got people absolutely sort of on it and uh, really focusing on themselves and what they're trying to achieve and so forth. You know, one of the things I've found um, is that this these zones don't aren't constant over time so you may have a period of time where you're sure. way overwhelmed um you maybe you're you're in that burnout zone that zone of anxiety and then all of a sudden things just slow to a halt and you move from one extreme to the other and all of a sudden you know um you're in the the zone of frustration and then you know in at some point maybe you'll get that comfort zone or the stretch zone in the middle um, but it, it waxes and wanes over time um so are, is it possible to to keep it constant um, well, uh, it's never going to be 100 percent constant. But the point is, this is this is a joint responsibility for the individual themselves to have the sort of mechanisms like the tier zero board idea that I talked about for your own management. And then you're identifying the things where you need to pull support and coaching to you. So rather than in some of the sort of traditional cata coaching stuff where we go and coach folk for the benefit of the organization, here we're getting the individual to say what coaching and development I need for my development. So you're actually getting the needs of the organization coming down, the needs of the individual coming up. And by doing that and creating that self-management, that self-reliance, and, and also developing that coaching ability from the team leader, from the, from the management, to be able to support people, to keep them in that in, in the right zone, that's actually the best way to 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 do it. It's never 100 percent. But, you know, if if you're roughly in the right place. And the other thing is, you know, you, if you've got a 40 hour working week, you're not going to be in the right zone 40 hours. But could you be in it 30 hours? And maybe you need 10 hours in that slightly easier zone just as a slight relaxation to do things that you can do easily. Because it, it's maybe like you can't be running a marathon the whole day, but you need breaks in between to recharge physically and mentally between, uh, you know, those different activities and, and so forth. And, you know, I know, you know, we're running close on time, but I would I do want to comment on um, what can be done. So in healthcare, at least, you know, right now, as I mentioned, over the last couple of years, we've kind of had these peaks of zones of anxiety that correspond nicely with our COVID peaks. Um, but during those those times, what can be done, I guess, from the, the HR, the organizational level to to bring 
people out of that zone more to the stretch zone or the comfort zone? How can they support those workers um, to lessen some of that burnout? Well, I, as I say, I think the first thing is is working with people to help them understand what are they trying to achieve? What do they want? Also to try and under, help them to understand what are the things, you know, what are the touch zones that are going to sort of fry them off the off the rails because each of us will have a sort of tolerance and a tolerance and then we'll probably snap but it'll be different things and so forth uh, and if we help the individuals to understand what those limits and tolerances are and then we can also put things support mechanisms in place but rather than say everyone's got to go on this course or that course these things are available so to support people. But I think a lot of it is is this coaching and development. And as much as anything, it's 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 even just a there's someone you can go and talk to. Um, it, it, and it may even not be a, a, a highly skilled people. It may be even a buddy system or something like that where we can actually just sound off. Release the things we're feeling stressed about and then the organization can find mechanisms to support support the, the the individuals i think one of the one of the most careful things we need to do is around the confidentiality issues and this needs to be done by the individual asking for help and support rather than us pushing things onto them but doing it at the pace they're willing to which needs this sort of psychological safety to be in place because if they're not feeling safe to unburden these things then it's not actually going to be happening. So I think from the management point of view, creating that sort of safe space for people to be able to unburden and share that uh, stresses and strains is, is probably one of the most important things. I and think that one, Sorry. No, I, I was just going to say, I think one of the things that we're going to need to be prepared for, especially in healthcare, as as hopefully, Lord willing, we're coming out of this pandemic is that so many of us have been in what we like to call firefighting mode for two and a half years that you know it's going to just feel so odd and awkward not having to uh, put out fires and, and we're going to be sitting here looking at each other saying okay well what what do we do now and i think that's something that we really need to yeah. uh, to be prepared for and actually some folk like that some people love that buzz and the adrenaline flow and when it's not there, you might find they're going to leave as well because they're going to look for something where that's actually uh, happening. So, I mean, the one thing we can be sure of is there's a lot of change that's affecting people. And and I think the great resignation isn't going to be a short term thing. I think it's going to go on and on. The other thing we're finding in Europe, I don't know if it's the same in states, in the states is you're getting the um, it's not a resignation, but it's the it's the sort of uh, the great early retirement you know that that a lot of folks in their 50s for example are just saying well you know i've come back after covid and lockdown and i just don't want this anymore you know i i've reappraised what i want in life and this isn't it and and maybe i've got enough money or i'm going to do something else etc so uh we we found in the uk uh which i guess is what i don't know a seventh of the size of U us it's about a third of a million people who are in their 50s who've just not gone back to work and and it's it, you know it's not for any reason apart from well i just don't want this anymore 
Well, Dr. Hines, this has been fantastic. Uh, this whole, you know, concept of the people value stream, you know, it's actually made me think of many things while you're talking. One being that we've done a lot of work with Dr. Edgar Schein, and he uh, has told me many times that, uh, Skip, many times improvement people, good intended people, they get content seduced with the technical and they give lip service to the social. Sure. And I thought about that as you were talking and I thought, well, really that's, that, that is true, but it's also true from a fractal standpoint. So in other words, not only at the front line, many times we don't really understand the current condition because we're so caught up in the technical and we haven't developed relationships that we don't understand some of the things going on behind the scenes. But to your point with the people value stream, you also have this at a very high level from a fractal perspective. And I and it also made me think of when I was in Japan in the fall of 2019, that a 40-year veteran of Toyota, Mr. Kato, told me just over lunch one day that when he first started Toyota, that they made a 40-year developmental plan for him. Mm-hmm. And when they when he told me, I couldn't even get my mind wrapped around that. I said, they did what? Wow. Said, yeah, they laid out the developmental plan for me. I said, a 40-year plan? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. um, I just remember thinking, wow, that's an investment in people there. You know? I mean, that that's exactly what the People Value Stream is. It's looking at the potential of the individual, how they could fit, what would be right for them, and the flow. I mean, taking your point about Edgar Schein, uh, this is humble inquiry. You'd be very familiar with this. If you put that book together with this book, uh, which is Samuel Smiles' self-help book. So this book was probably one of the most influential in terms of what we do as leaders and so forth, the, the Shine stuff. This book is one of the most influential in terms of um, it, it, respect for people. And in fact, this is the one book that's in the Toyota library in Japan uh, as the starting point of understanding of the first Mr. Toyota. This book is published in 1866 by Samuel Smiles. And this is the basis of uh, self-respect. And this is about how to create self-reliance. So the Edgar Schein is how do you do the leadership bit looking down? The self-help is how do you create the self-reliance going up? And you you can't do it with one or the other. You need both of them. You need both of these working together. So uh, so if you want to go and write, read a book, Self Help by Samuel Smiles, the case studies are fantastic because they're all the European Industrial Revolution companies. That was the sort of Apple and Microsoft of the day. It's uh, it's absolutely fantastic. Oh, but very, it's fundamentally about about how do you how do you see things from the individual? How do you create the self reliance? And, and how do the, you know, it's the basis of the people value stream. Very, very exciting. Well, well, well Dr. Hines, thank you so much for coming on. I know that Cheryl uh, Jekyll uh, will be also coming on in the future sure. to continue to speak uh, about the people value stream. I know that she is your conspirator working on this work. And so uh, we're just so thankful for you. So thankful for the work you do. And on behalf of Baptist Memorial Healthcare, Uh, Thank you once again so much for coming on the podcast today.
Thank you very much. Been uh, been my pleasure and uh, good to meet you all and uh, good luck with the work. And hopefully COVID will end and we, we won't all end up resigning as a result of it. I hope so. not. Thank you. Thank you very much, Peter. OK, thank you, guys.